Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Chris, did you have a good year? I've been thinking about ways to respond to this, and I thought I would ask how scandalous it would be if I said no. <gasps> it would be terrible. That would be no, terrible. I, I, I had a great year. Uh, okay, I got yeah. married. That was uh, a very big highlight. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was, it was a really good year. I went to Hawaii for the first time, uh, did some other traveling and stuff like that. So it was a great year. Yeah. Yourself? Some of, yeah, I had a pretty good year too. Yeah. There was a lot going on. Um, I think it was an overall good year. Some of us had some major life events, like you getting married. It was the news event of the season, I would say. <laughs> That's very flattering. Um, some might Thank say. You. <laughs> uh, this, for us, was officially the first year of publishing this podcast weekly. So we made it. Congratulations to us. And we've covered a lot of different stories in 2022. No matter how your year shaped out or what took place in your life, it's always a good time to reflect on some things that were good. And that's what we're doing today, putting a cap on 2022. KRQE News 13 is once again highlighting some of the uplifting stories that took place this year in a retrospective news special airing on our various channels. It's compiled by our special projects producer, Kristen Ferguson. You'll be able to watch our good news special on air several times over the last few weeks of the year and online as well. And we'll recap some of the times when it airs at the end of the episode. Today, we're talking to two of our anchor reporters who have a big role in this good news special and in our newsroom, sharing some great stories that they've covered this year. Returning podcast guest Brittany Bay joins us along with longtime listener, first time guest Annalisa Pardo. Hi, ladies. Thanks for being I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> it's very exciting to be it. here. Yay. <laughs> finally made it. It's great to have you both. You both have big roles in the KRQE newsroom, as Gabby was alluding to. But let's just start there um, in sort of that line of questioning that I think Arnold Schwarzenegger entered into in Kindergarten Cop, was it? (laughs) Brittany, who are you? How long have you been here? What do you do in our newsroom? (laughs) Okay, the rapid fire. That's right. Um, So I have been here for five years now and it is flown by. I am our Fox evening anchor. So I anchor our six and our nine o'clock shows. And then I also report for our 10 p.m. show more from time to time these days, but still happening. And I love it. Annalisa, same questions. How long have you been here at KRQE? And tell us a little bit about the roles that you've had here. All right. I started as a multimedia journalist in January of 2020, worked the whole first year from home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I saw you a lot on Teams. And yeah, <laughs> I think I saw that most of the newsroom, like through the little Skype window, like the entire time. <laughs> but um, and then recently moved into morning weekend anchor, just did a little quick stint there. And now I'm the weekend evening anchor. So I report three days a week and then anchor our evening shows at 5.39 and 10 and oversee the reporter's content on the weekend. Wow. So you've grown a lot in just the past like couple of years that you've been here. I hope so. I feel like it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to highlight some good news stories from each of you. But Brittany, let's start with yours first. I know this one hits maybe a little close to home if you don't mind sharing a bit about yourself. But before we get into all of that, for context, we covered a massive wildfire season here in New Mexico over the summer. The Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon fire, which was a government sparked fire, became the largest in state history, burning through more than 300,000 acres, destroying hundreds of homes and displaced thousands of people. 
And through all of that, there were wildland firefighters on the front lines working for months to put out fires, save structures, and just working really hard all season, bringing us to one of Brittany Bade's good news stories from that season of so much destruction. So we're going to let you listen to Brittany's story, and then we'll talk about it. People who rush in to fight wildfires working to protect the forest and communities sometimes do not have a home of their own to return to. As News 13's Brittany Bade reports, a surprise donation will soon help house some essential Lincoln National Forest employees. You're definitely getting some preheating on this side. One of the issues that we run into with our seasonal employees is housing. At national forests across the country and right here in New Mexico, dozens of seasonal employees come to town for the summer to do vital work. They include archaeologists, wildlife biologists, and then we have a large seasonal workforce of wildland firefighters. But Laura Rabone with the Lincoln National Forest says oftentimes the very employees fighting to protect forests and surrounding communities struggle to find homes of their own, especially in smaller tourist-based communities like Ruidoso. Some of them do end up camping on the forest. Um, Unfortunately, I know of times that they're living out of their cars. Rabone says the Lincoln National Forest does their best to help seasonal employees find housing. We also try to work with the local communities to find housing for them. And now, thanks to a surprise donation, they will have another option at their disposal. A brand new sustainable property built by Booking.com called the Smoky Bear Ranger District House. And we were incredibly thankful for the generous gift and we're very excited to have it as part of our housing that we'll now be able to offer to our employees. The house comes with large windows, a walk-in shower, and complete kitchen. We want to make sure that our employees are comfortable and safe when they come for the summer. And while this donation will not solve the wildland firefighter housing crisis, Rabone says it will make a difference. It's just going to give them a really nice place to stay after a hard day's work in the forest. Brittany Bade, KRQE News 13. Booking.com says the donation is part of its commitment to sustainable travel, and they thought the birthplace of environmental icon Smokey Bear would be a good place to create their first property. Brittany, I mentioned this sort of hits home for you, particularly because your husband is a wildland firefighter, a former Santa Fe hotshot, right? Correct. So you're familiar with the lifestyle of a wildland firefighter. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. So uh, a couple years before I met my husband were his vagabond years and he like a lot of his crew members, they all lived in their trucks uh, during during wildfire season because they are were based in Santa Fe. And as we know, housing in Santa Fe is expensive. It always has been and continues to get more expensive. So you work so hard for that money and you're gone so often. It, you know, you look at the at the numbers and you say, OK, am I going to pay this much for an apartment and stay in it literally for four days this month? Probably right. not. Um, so that's it's a tough position that a lot of wildland firefighters are in, especially those who aren't from or 
aren't don't live in the national forest or near the national forest that they work in year round is they do they live um, a lot of them live in their cars a lot of them live in uh, motels that often do not have the best reputation because it's cheap and it's what they can afford and kind of makes sense for the bottom line so yeah my uh, my husband spent a couple summers living living in his truck Um, we actually were back at his parents for Thanksgiving and we saw like the little makeshift bed that him and his dad had made like out of plywood so he could like prop his bed up and his little mattress in the trunk in the bed of his truck and put some of his clothes and like camping equipment underneath it so they live they live very humbly and when they're at work uh it's not easy I mean you're camping in in pretty much the middle of a wildfire you wake up and you're obviously a safe distance away. It's not like you're on the fire's edge or anything, but um, you know, you're there to respond to the incident quickly and um, you're eating MREs most of the time. Sometimes they bring in catering if a truck is available and if it can even make it to base camp. So um, it's a it's a pretty vagabond, rough lifestyle. The men and women on those crews work really, really hard. I know we see, you know, as news reporters going out and responding to just the coverage of the wildfire, sometimes we'll see, you know, the incident command centers are kind of set up and you do get a picture of like that crew, the sort of central command roughing it. But, you know, to your point though, the people out in the field, right. They're long stretches of time where they are not near a shower or, you know, like you had mentioned the catering trucks, maybe they can't even get out to the remote location that that one crew might be. So there is some accommodations that people might see and think that everybody has, but I guess the reality is not everybody working on these big fires has that equal access to all of those resources. Maybe they even have to make things slightly easier. No, not at all. I would in our world equate it to like anchors and reporters on election night. Reporters always mm-hmm. joke that they don't get the the uh, traditional newsroom pizza that our bosses always buy for everybody who is at the <laughs> station on election night. And it is, it's like, yeah, headquarters has a ton of resources. And of course, headquarters make sure the crews have everything they need before they're dispatched to go anywhere. I'm, I'm not saying that, but it's, yeah, right. you do not have access. There have been many times to, frankly, maybe too many times that my husband has come home from a fire and just is filthy, hasn't showered <laughs> in two weeks, is covered in soot and oh it's gosh. just um yeah the the smell stays so <laughs> so <laughs> my goodness yeah. Yeah. yes yeah. it really is yeah and I, the first like major wildfire i covered was in the rio doso area and i remember that that was a type one incident command and they just had like a huge hill of tents and that's where the firefighters were sleeping at night like just camping for mm-hmm. you know over a week couple weeks at a time but i know this year there were some hotels that offered up spaces for people coming in that were we're helping with these wildfires. What sparked this particular donation of the property by booking.com? And do you know maybe if this will be like a permanent thing? So this particular donation is a permanent, it will be permanent. It's going to help one, uh, one employee. So obviously not a huge step forward, but a step forward nonetheless for the Lincoln National Forest and being able to provide more housing to their seasonal employees. And I should add that Lincoln National Forest is actually one of the few national forests that does offer 
some housing to employees. Like I, I believe they have like some barracks for wild and firefighters and a lot of other national forests like Santa Fe, for example, do not have that. So they have a little bit more than everyone already. And as far as what sparked it, booking.com, when I spoke to their representative really was just, it sounded like they wanted to get in and help and have something sustainable and figured a, the birthplace of Smokey Bear would be a good place to start. And it looked like it was in a shipping container maybe that they it built was, out of. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that, right? You know, we have like the Green Jeans Farmery and, um, oh, the one up on Alameda. Tin Can. Tin Can, Tin can thank Alley. you. <laughs> that, and they're building one in Rio Rancho, like all the shipping container bars and restaurants. So yeah, this is a shipping container house and it's beautiful on the inside. I know this is not a visual medium, but online it's so, it's so nice. Like they yeah. did a great job. We'll yeah, post we'll a link to the story. Post links to the story. You can check out the visuals in Brittany's story as well. The person in your story mentioned that this donation quote, won't solve the wildland firefighter housing crisis. We know housing is just one of the concerns. It sounds like is amongst this firefighter community. We've talked about on this podcast before wildland firefighter pay. We know there's struggles with retention in the profession. A lot of these guys are super passionate about what they do, but yeah, it sounds like a really laborious and physically tough job. Meanwhile, some people who do work in it, like I said, are, you know, those ride or die guys and couldn't imagine doing anything else. What are some maybe concerns that you've heard among the wildland firefighter circles that would maybe make their lives just a little bit easier? So I will say it is like one of the kinds of jobs that it, you just have like a burning passion for. It. And that pun was not intentional. <laughs> but if, for example, we had our son earlier this year and we actually left the hospital on the day the Calf Canyon Hermit's Peak, uh, Hermit's Peak Fire started. And we were like glued to the TV with our newborn because we just couldn't believe what was happening. And my husband actually ended up going back to work four weeks earlier than we thought he would because he just, he wanted to help. He was like, I can't keep sitting this one out. So when our son was three weeks old, he went back to work. And, and that was one of the times that they were camped pretty far out there, I believe up by um, Rinconada and talked to him maybe every couple of days for the next couple of weeks. So as a new mom, that was uh, particularly challenging. But under the Forest Service specifically, they've actually done a lot this year. They got raises, which has been great. There have been some struggles with the rollout of that program, which has been pretty widely reported. But I think raises is going to be great. And But housing is an issue. And I think a lot of national forests are starting to really look at like what we can do um, to make this profession more attractive to people because it is such a hard job and it's, you know, people want to do it. And I think there is like a calling for most people to be part of this wildland firefighter world. But, you know, everybody has a point where it's like, okay, this just doesn't make sense for me anymore. So I would say housing is a big one. I think increased pay is great. And without getting too in the weeds, I think that'll, <laughs> that'll yeah. that's probably the main two. Certainly don't want to take for granted a, a warm shower at the end of the day mm -hmm. when you've been no. working outside. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, um, that's huge. And that, you know, just to be able to even see my husband, like come home and just be able to like decompress and actually be like in a house again and take a hot shower and eat a normal meal is pretty special. We always like those times. Watching the story back now, any other thoughts you'd want to share? I think it's just a great small step 
forward. Um, I think there's a lot more to be done to help, you know, the men and women who travel often from literally all over the country. I, I don't know if I've made that point, but I think Laura Rabone, who works with the Lincoln National Forest, alluded to it as like, yes, they're working in the Lincoln National Forest, or yes, they're working in Santa Fe, but a lot of these people are from like the Midwest, the Northeast, uh, the South, like they're coming from far away to be able to serve our communities and protect our forests and our communities. So to be able to help them out with housing so they don't have to camp uh, even when they're not at work or live in their truck, I think personally would be amazing. So love to see this. Was super excited when booking.com gave this donation and hopefully there's more of it to come. Yeah. Thanks, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Annalisa, let's talk about your story. This is one of the most, to coin a phrase, most feel-goodest <laughs> stories of the year, I think. Uh, Gabby says it is one of her favorites It was as well. one of my favorites that you it did. It seriously is so adorable. It was so good. Yeah, this one, also to, to steal a phrase from the wine industry, it pairs well with Christmas. So in this story, you introduce viewers to a guy named Mr. Christmas who lives in Albuquerque. Can you tell us a little bit more about who this mysterious... Not really mysterious, but Mr. Christmas figure Mr. Is. Christmas. He is an 83-year-old military veteran who lives over in Ventana Ranch. He's originally from California. And when he moved here, you know, he kind of wanted to start doing something for the community. And basically, long story short, has been putting on this impressive, beautiful Christmas display every single year for nearly 20 years now. And so... Yeah, his name is Dave, but everybody calls him Mr. Christmas. Very cool. I love it. Okay, well, let's let our listeners hear your story. And again, we will link to these stories in the podcast show notes so you can actually watch them after listening to this episode. An Albuquerque veteran who is known for going above and beyond with his Christmas lights year after year after year got an unexpected Christmas gift of his own from his neighbors. News 13's Annalisa Pardo was there during the surprise for the man many call Mr. Christmas. They call him Mr. Christmas. He's a legend. I mean, there's everyone knows who he is. Davis Pillard has been putting on this impressive light display in Ventana Ranch for nearly two decades. To give to the people. But bringing the holiday cheer isn't as easy as it once was for the 83-year-old veteran. I was going to quit two years ago because my health I can't climb like I used to. That's when neighbors like Nate Bywater stepped in. And I said, well, then, then myself and the neighbors are going to take over and, and we're going to decorate for you. Soon learning the toll 20 years of Christmas cheer can take on the home. We had noticed uh, over the last two years of decorating up there that um, the, the roof was in quite disrepair. So we started the GoFundMe and um, I mean, the, the GoFundMe itself I mean, it, it spoke for itself and just kind of blew up overnight. Into a surprise Davis couldn't believe. And you never take help. You never want the donations. You never take cash. So we thought, what can we do to help? And, or, or not to help, but rather to say thank you for everything you've done. Two decades of providing smiles for our children, our families, the community. We started a little bit of a campaign online for the community to say thank you to you. As of this morning, there's over $6,000 for you. So we're gonna, we're gonna be giving that to you. We're gonna sign over that account to you today. And it's growing quickly. 
Oh, God. And that's not all. A local roofing company heard what was going on. On behalf of uh, NM Premier Roofing, we'd like to warranty your roof. We're going to handle all of the existing damage that you have and any future damages that you have. We want to be able to help you out and not have one less thing for you to worry about. <sighs> Good thing I have my class. <laughs> Oh my God, thank you ever so much. Now the money can help Davis and his wife with their medical bills. <sighs> you can see. It means so much. Like I say, there's going to be a special day I'll never ever forget. Annalisa Pardo, KRQE. Oh my goodness sakes. Wow. What a surprise. <sighs> News 13. And this year's light display is about two-thirds done. It'll be ready the day after Thanksgiving. You know, you have a good story when you see Kim Baez come out of a package with a huge grin on her face. It was so good. I love <laughs> the it. The ultimate stamp of approval. Right. This is one of those stories, just watching it, it kind of reminds me as well of how fun it is to capture stories like this. And also choosing how you shoot it can be really nerve-wracking. Um, we were talking about you went out there with two cameras out there yeah. to capture this from different angles. You want to make sure you're zoomed in on the right person to capture, you know, as you heard Mr. Christmas tearing up and saying, good thing I have my glasses on, have the mic in the right place, all of that stuff. You did a great job, I think, in, in capturing that story. And, and I guess maybe the question is, was it nerve wracking knowing what was going to happen and capturing that? Yeah, I, I thought it was just because like this is one of those stories that reminds you of why you get into this business and a lot of it is for community and just sharing these stories that matter. So I did feel pressure and I felt pressure because I wanted to make it really good. And I felt I was really grateful that the neighbor, Nate Bywater, had trusted me to tell this story. So I wanted to make it especially, you know, good and something they could look back on. And we did have to lie to Mr. Christmas just a little bit. He thought I was just coming there to do a story on, you know, the Christmas lights, which we have done before. We've covered him before, just not this particular, you know, piece of this story. And so, you know, and I planned with Nate, okay, then, you know, I'm going to have two cameras, then I'll bring you in. You can surprise him. Then the roofing guy can come in and surprise him. So yeah, it was one of our sports, our, our sports reporter who was like, you know what, you should bring two cameras. And I was like, that's a great idea. So I had one on the wide shot and then one just focused in on Mr. Christmas. How did you hear about the story as well? Just check and go fund me like I do oh. regularly. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, just to look what goes on. You know, I check GoFundMe. I think a lot of us reporters do just to see what's going on in the community regularly. And when I saw, you know, save Mr. Christmas, I was like, oh. and then <laughs> I looked in our own coverage, saw that we had covered him in the past, put in the call. They wanted to do the surprise the next day and- it's grown, the GoFundMe has grown from there. So it's wow. been wow. exciting. This wasn't even something where like the neighbors wanted or were seeking news coverage. They just wanted to help their neighbor. That's really cool. Right. They really wanted to help the neighbor. And then when I called the neighbor, Nate was like, you know, can we do this tomorrow? Maybe if we get some news coverage, we can even get more donations. And that has happened. I think when I did that story, it was $6,000. Now the GoFundMe is at, um, I think it's a little over 12,000. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah, which will really help without getting too into it. But like I said in my story, Mr. Christmas and his wife with medical bills. So 
Wow. And then the roof will be covered by the company. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, so the story that you crafted on Elisa, you packed a lot of those little moments into that two minute piece, which as reporters, we all know is really hard to do. He choked up a little bit at the end where he was on the receiving end of this gift. And his neighbor pointed out, you know, he don't take donations. You never take help, but we want to like say thank you. What was it like being there in person, witnessing that moment from the neighbors, even after the cameras were turned off? It was emotional. I felt, I was just really grateful. They let me be a part of it and share it. And I mean, I was getting choked up having him teary-eyed telling me how much it means to him. And I think as a reporter, you know, something that moves me will also move the viewers. Um, And so I wanted to keep those moments obviously in there. Um, But yeah, it was emotional to be there and just, it filled my cup with a lot of like good and heart and community um, for the next few weeks. Most of the stories, by contrast, we hear about from neighborhoods, they're not always the best, right? We're hearing about people getting packages stolen, (laughs) other random stuff that goes on just throughout society, as we know. But it's certainly refreshing in this story to sort of see that this neighborhood has come together, formed this bond with this man and his home. Did you really get a sense of community there as well? Oh, yeah. Um, Well, we had covered a story last year where I think it was last year that, you know, Dave was like, I'm getting too old for this. I got to stop it. And that's when his neighbors were like, no, you can't. We'll take this over for you. So that's, you know, the story we covered last year. And then to know that they're doing this and going even more above and beyond for him was really special. And even off camera, um, just chatting with them afterwards, they all told me they've never experienced a community like this Mm. um, and just how close they were. And Dave also said, you know, some years ago when I said I wanted to do this, I asked my neighbors, hey, are you okay with this? Because it's going to bring in a lot of traffic. And he said that everyone was on board and just has been supporting or supportive since day one. So it sounds like a really special neighborhood. That's awesome. And so the neighbors last year did all the decorating for him right. because he's okay. Right. Wow. And how long do you think Mr. Christmas will keep up the decorations? It sounds like his neighbors won't let him stop. And what sort of traffic do they get around this time? They get so much. I mean, they've had, Dave was telling me they've had people come from, you know, out of state or Santa Fe or Taos, you know, hours away to come see this and off camera. Actually, I didn't include this in the story, but on, um, they were saying, he's like, I'm going to do this for a hundred more years, as long as you'll help me. (laughs) So I think as long as the neighbors are willing to help, they'll be doing this. That's awesome. Any other thoughts you have after watching this story? No, just grateful. I mean, as a general assignment reporter, you know, covering news of the day is extremely important, but it also can be heavy. And sometimes you bring that heaviness home with you. And so I'm just really grateful to this neighborhood and Nate Bywater for trusting me with this story and letting me share some, just a good story. Yeah, it's good to share joy with, with other people. To wrap, we wanted to do a throwback to one of our good news specials last year and give listeners more of an opportunity to learn a bit more about you two. So rapid fire time, answer as best as you can. First thing that comes to mind, Brittany, you did this last year, so we're going to ask you some different questions. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Favorite New Mexico tradition? River of Lights. Okay. Place you have not visited yet, but somewhere that you want to see in New Mexico? Bandelier National Monument. Oh, that was fast. Okay. Most- it's been on my list for a while. <laughs> Clearly. It's on yeah. your bucket list. <laughs> Most memorable on-the-job moment at KRQE? 
honestly, it was when I started telling like you, Gabby, that I was pregnant last year. <laughs> we were we were crying in, in our break yard. room. Yeah. <laughs> I was so overwhelmed and I was asking you about childcare. And then I went and told our special projects producer, Kristen Ferguson, because you guys are young moms and our former executive producer, Sarah, uh, Sarah McCurdy, Sarah Davis. And uh, that really is honestly it. That was what was coming to my mind. I was like, do I want to tell this story? I guess I will. So yeah, it was uh, becoming part of the KRQE mom squad with you guys. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that because that is probably at the top of my list as well. Seeing yeah. all of my friends and coworkers like transition into motherhood has been like really awesome. So, and last year when we recorded this good news podcast, quick disclaimer behind the scenes for listeners, Brittany was pregnant during was. that recording, but she hadn't told anyone yet. Mm-mm. And I think we were talking about something really emotional. We were, yeah. The last time I was on the podcast was a, for a story in a very short summary was about Uh, a girl who was born um, with Down syndrome and we had talked to her mom and her mom's um, interview was so emotional. And, um, you know, she, cause she just wanted her, her daughter to be able, you know, to survive because they had to do a surgery immediately after she was born. And I was sitting here like, I think I was, I don't know, six months pregnant at the time, still hadn't told anybody um, publicly. And yeah, I was I remember sitting in here with yeah. you, like fighting back tears it because it was it hits so a little much, different. Yeah. It does give you a little bit different perspective, but we're mm-hmm. super happy for you guys because you're thank just you. you just have a beautiful family. Oh, thank you. So, what about okay? Maybe one of the most challenging parts of the job, uh, kind of like Annalisa said, is is trying not to bring it home with you. Um, we cover a lot of really heavy things, and I think in news, one of the biggest critiques we get is, oh my gosh, it's all just bad news. You know, it's so depressing to watch. And while I know we try to break that up sometimes, like in the news of the day, it's just like heavy, heavy, heavy story. And in a state where unfortunately we see a lot of child abuse, um, the, the first story I started covering when I came back from maternity leave was the Fabian Gonzalez trial tied to the murder of Victoria Martins. Um, and that was hard. So I think the biggest struggle is um, just seeing a really dark side pretty consistently of community that overall you really love and trying to not dwell on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely hard to find that balance and make sure that you're taking care of yourself too, so that you can, you know, have that fresh perspective every day. What about something maybe that you're looking forward to or a resolution that you might have for 2023? It's a little early for resolutions, but. Yes, but it's something we should all be thinking about. I think a, a resolution um, is just to maybe be be in the moment a little bit more. I'm a planner by nature, so we get caught up in so many projects and work and we both have you know pretty demanding jobs. So just being able to be there and make sure we're still having good quality family time as our son starts to grow up and want to see more and wants to do more. So I think that would be it just to make sure we're making those important memories too. Awesome. Annalisa, you do not get the same questions. Here. All right. Uh, so, I was so pre-prepping. These, yeah. these are the ones Brittany got here last year. So first favorite New Mexican dish. Oh goodness. I really like carne adovada. That's like one of the first things I had when I moved here and it's been a staple. Yeah. Uh, same, same. Uh, favorite place to visit in New Mexico. Oh, um, Santa Fe maybe, although I am going to Rio Doso for the first time, not for work next week. So I may have a different answer. I don't know. 
Ruido. So awesome. Yeah. Love it. Best part of the job. I think the people, just the people you meet and learning something new every single day. And what is the hardest or most challenging part of being a journalist? I think, and this might just be something that I'm really like just doing a story justice or making, you know, making sure people feel heard when they share your, their story with you and trust you with that, doing it justice, being fair and just hopefully bringing some empathy to your work. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, totally. Yeah. (laughs) I just feel a very strong responsibility to do someone in their story justice. And sometimes that gets hard with all the other factors of deadlines and et cetera. Yeah, I agree. It's a constant, you know, tug of war between meeting up with what your expectations are of your coworkers and your bosses at the station. And then also wanting to tell the story in a way that you see is fair. And as you said, does it justice. So I'm with you. I agree with you. Uh, last question here, red or green. Christmas. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Christmas. Oh, oh man. Full <laughs> circle. Oh, I love it. Uh, last year, just for the sake of uh, a recap, uh, Brittany, your old answers was green chili cheeseburger, Towski Valley, Navajo Lake, and Hemis Springs were the favorite places to visit. Couldn't pick one. Still can't. <laughs> you said meeting new people and how it opens your eyes to things you've never experienced was the best part of the job. And then also meeting new people on the worst days of their lives was the worst part of the job or the most challenging part. And you went with green chili as well. Yeah. Mm. All still holds. All still holds true. Mm -hmm. Annalisa, is there something you're looking forward to in 2023? So much. I don't know everything. I just feel really good about it. In 2022, my word for the year was growth and 2022 definitely delivered. And so now for 2023, I'm excited for just, I don't know, joy. Focus on the joy, everyone. Well, thank you both for joining us. It's been a pleasure sharing some good news stories. And thank you for bringing those to everybody, you know, across New Mexico. We appreciate the work you guys do. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks again to our KRQE anchor reporters, Annalisa Pardo and Brittany Bade for sharing some good news stories with us to close out the year. So as we mentioned as well, we will post links to their stories in the uh, post for this podcast and also the article on krqe.com podcasts. The special, if you want to check that out, the first airing or one of the first airings will be 9 p.m. on Christmas Day on KRQE. And as you know, KRQE Media Group has the Fox New Mexico, the CW, and also My 50 TV. Those will also get their respective airings of this special. Best thing to do is to check your local listings to see what's on there. But we'll also try to put as many of those airings as we can in the podcast post for this. And remember, you can always send us your good news or just story ideas. It's often how we learn about what's going on in the community. We'll have another episode for you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. In the meantime, you can reach me at gabrielle.burkhardt at krqe.com via email and gbarknm on social media. You can also reach me at, at chrismckeetv on social media and chris.mckee at krqe.com via email. Thanks for listening.